0: decoding today the American fencer Miles Chamley Watson Hey guys, it's Mathias Dandois Thank you so much for tuning in to my podcast Decoding Athletes with Red Bull I'm a BMX professional rider and 8 times world champion I ride BMX flatland which is doing tricks on the ground A lot of kids have been asking me all along my career how I turned pro, how I got sponsored. I really wanted to give them a genuine answer and that's why I started this podcast, Decoding Athletes, where I get into the mind of the most successful athlete in the world and give you some answers. We already had some amazing guests on the podcast like Danny McCaskill, Scotty James, Katie Munnings, Tom Pagès, Justine Dupont. So make sure to subscribe and listen to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, And every other podcast app. You can also watch the video version of the podcast on the vlog on my YouTube channel. We'll link it all below in the show notes. For today's episode, I meet with American fencer Miles Chamley Watson. He's the 2013 FOIL World Champion and he has a bronze medal in the Olympic. He has done two Olympic games and is definitely the most inspiring fencer of his generation. In today's episode, we talked about a lot of interesting subjects. How he dealt with being confined during the COVID-19. How he got his first sponsorship by Nike and Red Bull. Miles was an ADHD kid and fencing helped him going through that. And we talked about that as well. We ended up the podcast talking about Black Lives Matter. And it was super interesting to talk about him with that. It's an incredible pleasure to introduce you, Miles Chamley Watson. Alright, guys, welcome back to the first episode of Decoding Athlete in America. I'm so glad to be with a legend today. He's a fencing world champion, model, all around like character. Make some noise for Miles Chamley Watson, <laughs> and the room goes wild. <laughs>
1: What's up, Miles? Thank you, my man. Pleasure to be here. I'm so glad that, you know, to be on here and to see you man it's been a long time so thank you for having me dude we literally haven't seen each other for like five months five months and no. last time we were in
0: paris together exactly for uh, that paris saint germain game. yeah man we, was... we got to meet neymar it was pretty
1: sick that was fun <laughs> that was a sick game too it was the craziest game of the season a crazy game oh man i how wish much, to,
0: uh, how much gold did this score? it was crazy
1: sick no they both scored it was like they both scored like four three or five something crazy it was insane man i wish we could be there right now but i know so dude, we just got hit hard by the
0: COVID-19 situation and the yeah. world pretty much came to a pause.
1: Yeah. How have you been dealing with that? So since, since COVID-19, it's obviously a tough thing to even comprehend, right? Because I've never experienced anything like that before. So in the beginning, it was a little bit tough for me. I was 12 years old. I've had a, a schedule my whole life, you know? And then it's all of a sudden, it's like, no, nope, you can't go to the gym, can't go outside, can't fence, can't see anybody. So I was like, okay. Let's sit down, recharge, and I started, you know, picking up writing, painting, throwing knives, bow and arrow, and I started writing children's book while, you know, obviously working out in the gym, but um, just kind of, you know, free my mind and find new things and work on content and work on my business ideas. So it's been a weird kind of blessing, a hard blessing or hard lesson, but I'm happy that I'll be able to find, you know, a positive out of this situation. That's awesome because you
0: and me travel so much throughout the year for like either competitions or incentives for sponsors or whatever. Yeah. And I feel like for me, it was definitely a blessing that to kind of recharge for five months, you know, not to be on a different time zone (laughs) every day. Where have you been spending your the most time?
1: So I was in California for like probably three months. So I was out there shooting and then my agents you should probably stay there because this is a real thing. I was like, okay. And then obviously I didn't expect it to be three months. So I was literally in LA for three months, which I've never been anywhere for more than four days, right? Because, <laughs> you know, we compete, we leave, we go back to different hotels. So that was weird. I was literally in one place for three months. That was hard. And I'm now back in New York for the first time, which is beautiful to be back. But I was in California, that's it. Just, that was it really
0: for me. So you kind of like found yourself to be in California when it happened. You never really came back home because you are based in New York city. Yes. And then, so you went to shoot something in California, right? For one of your sponsors. Yes. And when it happened, you were just like, well, I'm just going to stay there. So how did that happen? You just found a place to stay or like you just,
1: yeah. So funny story actually. So we were competing in Italy, March and we get off the plane and they're taking our temperatures and we're like, what's going on? This is weird. This is like right when they got hit hard, came back, shooting in LA and I was like, you know, in a hotel and then boom. So I was like, hotels are closing. I was like, Oh my God. So luckily my boy Paul and his wife, Ashley, were there to like, hey, come stay with us. You know, I, I was thinking max a month or not even right. A couple of weeks, three months later, <laughs> I was the third wheel, then married couple. And it was the most incredible experience. It was literally us three and we bonded. And I think, you know, During this time, when you're with your loved one, it's intent because you can't do anything. You literally can't really leave, so you're on top of each other. So I think us all three together was a great energy, and I was like their honorary partner. I was like, like, you know? But yeah, I was with them for three months. That house looked sick too. Yeah, I I got very lucky with the house because there was a backyard, and luckily, Rebel gave me all the equipment. So I, I went to the gym. I got all the stuff I needed. So I had a full gym outside, and there was a pool. I literally couldn't complain. I wake up and it'd be sunny. I was like, what can I really complain about? So I was really blessed about that. That was awesome.
0: You did very well by uh, keeping your social media active during that time. I've seen you've been doing a lot of training in the Santa Monica facilities and also like some Zoom training with your friends. Can you tell us a little bit about that?
1: Yeah. So I was training in Santa Monica at Rebel in the beginning and then obviously they closed everything down. So Tyler, the trainer was like, hey, we're going to do Zoom training. I was like, first of all, what's Zoom?
0: <gasps> Dude, we did not know about Zoom like three Dude, months ago. Now it's like the thing that everybody... <laughs> was like doing I was like, what is Zoom? I was like, what about Skype,
1: right? <laughs> and then I was Zoom. I was like, okay. And we just started doing these Zoom workouts with, you know, me and a couple other athletes. And it was like good workouts, but it was just great to see what his face And like that kind of reminded us that like, okay, at least we have this together. And then we we're just doing these workouts every day from like 8 to 9.30. And it was like Zoom workouts. So we'd get like bands... You know, he tells tell us, you need bands, you need a BOSU ball, or you need a TRX, and this is all we're going to do today. And so we started just doing Zoom workouts, man. And it was like two months of that, and that kind of kept me sane. Well, who would have thought I'd be working out through a computer screen?
0: It's crazy. I think that's the world we're going to live in now. It's just like, you know, everybody is doing conference call on Zoom and workout on Zoom, and, like, I have a friend who starts a business of, like, gym on zoom like right now it's crazy yeah dude it's like the new world we live in dude you look in shape like better than before covid it's crazy
1: yeah i was like a little bit heavier and i wanted to like lean out and get strong you got lean dude yeah Yeah. i went vegan for a little bit for like a month and a half in la really focused on my my body nutrition and now i'm in like one of the best shapes ever i'm like ripped i'm strong more energy and i came out of this kind of better than i went in same to you, man. You're looking Dude,
0: yeah, like... I mean, it's crazy. Most people got fat, but we just got more lean. That's, yeah,
1: you're looking good that's too. That's um, I think you know, as athletes, like we are. We always know that like our body is our foundation, right? Now I'm more than ever. I'm like, okay, I need to know what's going in my body. I need to really pay attention to my diet for the first time in my life. So, but it was cool to go vegan and learn about that.
0: Let's talk a little bit about that. I think it's super interesting. You just yeah.
1: said that it was
0: the first time in your life that you. We were kind of aware of yeah. what you were putting in your your mouth. Yeah. And tell us about that, like so the, the diet.
1: I was eating when I, was, when I got to California, I was like, you know what, well, I'm just gonna eat whatever I was eating burgers and this and that. And I was like feeling like kind of sluggish and just, because I wasn't working out as much. It's like, okay. So now, since I'm not working out as much, I have to, the diet is now so much so more important. So I work with my nutritionist, Kristen Bell, who's amazing. And she's like, okay, I was like, what's your goal? You know, what do you want? And then, you know, let's work on from there. So then I was like, okay, I want to be lean, strong. She's like, well, maybe you should cut out meat for a while. So that's when I started to do vegan and I felt great actually. And now I'm back on pescatarian, but, uh, I don't really want meat anymore, but I feel stronger and I look better. My skin's been better. Just kind of eating more fish and more vegetables. So yeah.
0: Yeah, that's crazy. I mean, I have the exact same diet as you right now. It's just like, you know, just plant based and sometimes chicken, eggs and, you know, some fish. And I've never felt better than than that and i think like so this podcast is about finding what does it take to be the best athlete and i think vegetarian mostly plant-based diet is the key to that
1: i think it really is and i think people need to understand what's really going on in their body because you eat a burger but what did the cow eat now vegan is i know what i put into my body i think now our bodies are so important and i think now whenever you need to really focus on what you want to eat you know and you know, I see you cooking and, and, uh, and uh, making some good meals as well. Uh, you know, I love cooking as well. So it's a lovely new escape, you know? Okay. Let's learn how to cook now.
0: So, dude, fun. exactly. Because we had so much time in your hand in the end. So we just found new hobbies. What was your favorite
1: hobby that you found during the COVID? Mine probably was maybe bow and arrow, bow and arrow, <laughs> Robin yeah. Hood shit. Yeah. I ordered, <laughs> I ordered a bow and arrow. And my boy had knives, so we started throwing knives, bow and arrow. I was like a full-on ready for Game of Thrones. I was like, if it's like the end of the world and, and I enter the Hunger Games, I'm protecting everybody, you know? That was really fun. But um, yeah, that was really fun for me. It was learning to throw knives and bow and arrow and cooking, enjoying the moments you can control. How did you deal with
0: not fencing? Because you need two people to to fence. Yeah. First of all, just for the people who don't know what fencing is, yes. uh, it's pretty much like a sword fight between two people but we're gonna come back to that later but during confinement you obviously didn't have a training partner to fence with and how did you manage to still train fencing during the confinement
1: so that's the hard part was like how do you still train but without a partner basically so i ordered a target and i had my fencing foil and i would just like imagine and i have my coach and he'd be on the target and i'd just be hitting him you know and it was weird. It was like, a, it was like a fencing a robot almost. Oh my but God. you have to, you know, try and brush up on my, my reflexes and my hand-eye coordination skills. So I kind of learned that this, I was just doing target practice really all day just to make sure I'm sharp. <laughs> but it was weird because I haven't seen another fencer or even fenced with anybody in, since I was in, since March.
0: So you haven't fenced in nearly five months? Wow. Which
1: is crazy to me. I've never had that my whole life. Do you miss it? Like crazy, yeah. In the beginning, it was nice. I was like, okay, I have a month off. But then I was like, okay, what's next? You know, so I do miss it now a lot.
0: Exactly. And what's next? Did the federation say anything? So obviously, Olympic postponed to next year. And it's one of your goals to compete in Tokyo. What's the next move from the federation perspective? Did they say anything?
1: The thing is that nobody really knows because fencing is so international. And every country, like for instance, France is in a different spot than America. So it was Italy. So it was Asia and Korea. So everything's obviously canceled till end of July, but the LLC doesn't really know, and I don't think we're gonna have anything this year. So it's a write-off. I think so.
0: What about like the Olympic qualifications? Because you have a bunch of tournaments. So how does it work? You win points every yeah. tournament. And- so
1: America, it's a point system. You to be top four in the country to cooperate for the Olympics, and then there's about twelve competitions, and they take the best eight. So if you win a, say if you win a World Cup, you get 3,000 points. Okay. If you get top 32, you get 800 points. So it's a huge gap. But if you do really well in the first four, you can kind of sit back and relax. But it's so hard to be consistent in our sport. No one's won more than one, one tournament this year. So it's very, very people win two. Because wow. our sport is so, so, so many people that are strong, you can lose to anybody. Like one can lose to 64 easily.
0: Really? Yeah. So,
1: like, the the margin of error is, like, really thin. Really thin. But, like, so many people are so good. There's very few who are really elite, but you can kind of lose to anybody if not on your game. I know, like, your sport is more individual, right? Kind of?
0: Well, it's such, for you, it's such, like, an opposition, like, the direct opposition, like, kind of like tennis. So, it's like, us, it's more a fight with yourself than a fight with someone else. So, So so you
1: have to fight with, like, the referee... (laughs) <laughs> which I, which I shouldn't do that but I do
0: can you tell me a little bit more about that what do yeah, you have to fight with your referees
1: if they make a bad call I, I get so angry well I'm good now but you know I'm just like come on you messed up and obviously at the Olympics the judging is so crucial where like you know some things can be very close but the judge can say I felt like it was this way and then what are you going to do you, you can ask for a video replay you can yeah you get two but you know they can just say no 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 it's what I was what I called or something but okay I'll change so you have that opponent you have the, the referee and you have the opponent and it's like you think it's crooked sometimes I'm not gonna say no but uh <laughs> I think a lot of sports are like that right I think you have certain referees who might like a certain style or might like a certain country or you know so it's very hard to to know but I think that some referees who favor certain people you know that's sports right but a lot of actions can be 50-50, which is crazy. Like, I imagine 14-14, is two lights, and the referee goes to look at the thing, and you have no idea what he's going to say when he comes back. Imagine that. Yeah. <laughs> sweating. So you're sweating, and you're like, and you're just trying to scream or yell and get the referee's attention, but he's like, so that's the craziest thing is, is you never really know. That's kind of the problem is there's no real cut-and-dry point system. I know. Dude, in my sport, And yours it's is like crazy. a judge, right? It's like,
0: so before we had UC, now it's, it's getting really better the past two years. Yeah. Because we have UCI judge that have like a formation and everything. Okay. But before that, he was freestyle, dude. So basically, if you were in Spain, the Spain guy was going to win the contest. If you what? Went, not really, <laughs> well, you know, like, but, yeah, like,
1: but <laughs> he has a good, he's yeah. got an extra. He had a better push. chance.
0: Yeah. Because it's something, it's not really objective. My sport is really subjective, you know? Very. So, I mean, if the guy wants to give the other guy a little boost, well they can like you know kind of because yeah because yeah, your sport is also insane it could be frustrating to say the the least same and I, i've watched some of your videos and you you've been definitely frustrated sometimes with the referees to put it back in perspective for people who have no idea what fencing is yeah. i'm sure a lot of people know but so basically you have two opponents yes with a, a suit that's connected to like an electronic system. Yes. And there is three disciplines. So foil, épée, and sabre. Yes. And, uh, cool.
1: and for foil, what are the targets that you have to touch? So for foil, it's the torso. So it's from the neck down to the pelvis and the back. That's it. And you have to connect 500 milligrams of pressure in order for it to go off. Okay. 500 milligrams of pressure, it's a lot or it's not? Yeah, it's like, um, you have to hit pretty hard. Yeah. If and it's too light, it won't go off. And it's a 15 points and there's no win by two. So it's three, two minute periods with a minute break between. So some matches could be like me. My match is like three minutes. Some people could be 20 minutes if you're, if you're very passive and patient. So that's the thing about the sport too is that some people are very aggressive, some are very defensive. So. It's like chess and boxing. So you have to be like, okay, what's he going to do? So that's kind of cool thing about the sport too is there's no height requirement. There's no body type. There's no age. You can be a guy that was second Olympics was 42. Wow. And the kid he lost to was 19. No, no, it was 20.
0: 15 points and only one round. round? Yeah. So like f- the first was at 15 point wins. Yeah. And so, and every time you put that 500 milligrams of, of pressure, yeah. the light yeah. goes, uh, so it's a green light or a red
1: light. Yeah. Right? So someone's red, somebody's green. So say you're green, I'm red. And, <laughs> yeah,
0: <and laughs> you are were not ready. <laughs> yeah, nah,
1: I'll, I'll <laughs> and then it's like, okay, so then you figure that out and you're like, okay, now how do I, you know, try and get just one light on? Because the key is to get just your light on. You know, if you get always one light actions, it's amazing. But a lot, a lot of times it's two lights together, which is hard for people to understand. Like fans that watch it, like, it's two lights, I don't understand. So then it's like the right of way. And, and then, it, you know, so my goal is to help the scoring system and, and make it easier for the public. So To make it more attractive for yeah, the public? Because
0: when there is two lights going off, then that's the judge's responsibility exactly. to, to say who, whoever wins. And that's so, dude, I've watched some yeah. of those videos. It's so fast. It's like,
1: whoa. You know what, you have to make it one light. Like you have to somehow make it one light so there's no question. And, you know, my coach would be like, Miles, well make it a one light and I'm like, If I could every time I would, <laughs> you know, but it's that's the tough part about it. But it's also the beautiful thing about it too, but we're subjective as well, but not as much as you.
0: Dude, it's crazy. So when I used to win every contest when I was twenty and I won so much contest that the judges just wanted to see me fall, you know? And so in order to win a contest I had to just like crucify the guys you know <laughs> not like win by a little bit yeah just like so right yeah and it's the same thing as the one touch thing you have to make it so yeah. obvious that they're going to give you the point that's bullshit it's it crazy it is <laughs> how can you make the that system
1: improve somehow figure out a circuit breaker where it's hard because you need it like there's blade actions and stuff so somehow you got to work with a tech guy to just like make the circuit breaker so short so it's only one light all the time so expensive, but I think it's possible. But, you know.
0: Is that something Red Bull could work on, for example, you think?
1: I think so. I think, I mean, I'd love to create my own competition with Red Bull, which is something that, you know, I think we've been talking about as well. You know, that'd be super cool.
0: That'd be dope. Like, like they do the next gen with tennis, you know?
1: Yeah. Could like, this. something crazy, you know? Like, that'd be sick. So, I'd definitely working with them on something like that. That's still a project that I get to work on now since I can write up stuff and treatment and, you know how it goes, where you create content and, A lot of it comes from planning stuff.
0: The thing about you, it's you have the power to make fencing even bigger than it is. You are one of these athletes that is kind of bigger than its own sport. You know, you can kind of bring it to like further. Yeah. Do you feel like you have a responsibility?
1: Yeah. I think I have a huge responsibility because little kids look at me and they're like, Oh, like miles is this. And we see him in that. It's like, Okay. Now how do I help the younger kids come up and be like, I want to be like miles and just, Also, bring a new audience in. It's a lot of pressure because I think you understand too when you might be bigger than the sport, but the sport made you. So I think, you know, when you think of fencing, most people say, you know, Miles. And it's like, okay, how do I now really take the sport from being a niche to mainstream? Because there might not be another Miles in the sport, but there might be one coming up, you know. it might not be another Matias, but maybe some young kids are, oh, he's sick, I want to be like him. So I'm kind of trying to figure out now. Because... I feel like fencing is one of these sports
0: that mainstream only watch once every four years at the yeah, Olympic. Exactly. And they're like, whoa, this is crazy. Yeah. But in between those four years, it's kind of hard to make a living. And I've read a bunch of things where like a lot of professional fencers
1: have two jobs. Like, yeah. In America, uh, I would say 90% of them. It's crazy. Yeah, because like you know, in in France and Russia and Italy, they're all government sports, or their federation pay them very well, or you know, it's easier to get more sponsors, or whatever. But so I'm very blessed to not have that
0: problem. What's the in your eye for the kids that are listening? If they they do a sport that's not necessarily mainstream, but yeah. they are really passionate about it, how can you make a living from a niche yeah. sport? And you are a great example. What's your like Number best advice? Number one is
1: self belief. I got that's a tattoo here where I think like. You know, even your parents would be like, okay, yeah, my mom's going to be, but, you know, but as long as you know in your mind, it's so powerful. I knew, I told my parents, I was like, I'm going to be the first fencer to take a million dollars. And they were like, <laughs> <laughs> I was I'm like 17, right, right? But like, I had this vision where like, not about the money, just in my mind, I was like, I want to do this. And then I got offered a sponsorship by Nike for sponsors they signed. And then I signed a Red Bull, which is one of my, I've been drinking at competitions, you know, before. And I was like, wow, I have two of the biggest sponsors in the world. I can do anything. And that to me was like, and I'll just be myself. You know, I didn't, I didn't change. I got tattoos. I don't, I don't want to be just like a normal average person. And I think, think, you growing up, whether you're in a small sport or whatever, just believe in yourself and set goals and work harder than anybody else.
0: And I feel like you've been also thinking outside the box a little more than other fencers. Yeah. Because you have been to other areas of life like yeah modeling and then yeah. you know just hanging at the the med gala with celebrities and you think that helps your career
1: for sure i think it goes hand in hand because when i we do the modeling stuff you know which you do as well you know you're not just a model you're a bmx guy that can model you're a fencer that also model so you're a dual threat i think people love that as well and the modeling world is such a fashion and such a powerful world that if you're in there as well, it gives you visibility in the sports side. So I think if you can go into both, it's incredible. And they do help each other out. But you have to understand that, like, my sport was always number one. And that was, sometimes you get, like, caught up in that world. And then you're at the Met Gala. You, these people, you know, you're just like, whoa. You know, <laughs> who would have thought I would ever be able to go there? Do you
0: like this vibe of the, like, celebrities and Met Gala and stuff like that? I mean,
1: I got really lucky because I had the greatest time. I had the most amazing people at my table. And I was just there, you know, soaking it all in, experiencing it. So I had a great time. But, like, I feel like we're very different. Like, I'm not trying to be anybody else. I'm just going to talk to you. Like, for instance, if you're Madonna, who's next to me. I'm like, hi, how are you? You know, and I'm just like, what's going on? You know, but it's just like, that's refreshing, I think, for people just to be yourself. No one's yourself anymore. But when people say, like, you're a celebrity, I'm like, I just want to be a role model. But obviously, I think it comes with, you know, reaching a certain point in your life where you do become a celebrity. You also understand that as well. Cause it's very few people. I think you have like, you know, a good amount of sponsors and can also transition into the fashion world is like very tough. And I know very few people that can do it and, and you're one of them, which is like also awesome. and I, And I look at stuff that you do too. I'm like, Oh, this is sick. And I get inspired by my friends, you know. I think that's awesome. It's like I always watch what you do, and I'm like, "Oh, this is so sick!" And then I think I get inspired by my people like that. Which I think your sport is not niche. It is so niche, dude. It, I guess I'm, it is. I mean, the most niche you I mean like because- Having a bike, right? There's so many different variables, but what what you do is very niche, and it's just you. Like you're the face of that whole thing, which is sick. And it's like, you know, how do we grow the sport, right? Or how do we do this and that? So I'm also learning
0: as well. Of course I think this is super interesting and I think this is the key yeah. to make it in a niche spot yes. you just take a step back and look at the bigger picture yeah. just go to like a wider audience type of stuff and you don't have to be a model or you don't have to go to the Met Gala but just kind of I don't know just
1: try to go in yeah. another same and before all that you know I was like walking into events by myself standing in line like, like I didn't care you know but you have to be I was like like you said you step back and you go okay what's different you know like what's this guy doing i want to do opposite and that's when i was like oh this is cool you know i was like i want to be so different you know and like i'm the only one that has tattoos I'm the only one that it looks like me and i like that's just me being myself if i wanted to like change and become this i probably wouldn't be where i am today but i was always myself and everybody who supports me knows that this is me but i think yeah you have to be different look outside the box you have to
0: Exactly. I'm I'm reading a book right now. It's called The Tipping Point for people. Oh, I never read it,
1: but I heard it's a great book.
0: They said the whole like small things can make a huge difference. And you know, it's like that's what you got. It's like the people that are like connectors, the yeah. people that they have that small thing. No one knows why, yeah. but like they can just go ahead. And like when they walk into a room, everybody's like, "Who? Who is that?" And I yeah. feel like that's what's happening to you. If you are not watching the the video, Miles is, is six foot five, something like that, yes. and like. Dude, like covered with tattoos and <laughs> literally like I was with a, in a party with him in Paris and just when he walks into a room and he's <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> who
1: is that? Same with you. Not really though. Yes, yeah. bro. Like, don't sell <laughs> yourself short, my man. It's the same. It's energy, right? It's a presence that like I think, I think it's just being us. Like, I don't think you can really learn presence or learn that. You know, I think you're just being different. And I love people who are different. That's how I love seeing people like that, like in these ads and this. You know, from sports, like we get it, that's basketball, football and we understand that. I love those sports too, but there's so many other things as well that I think we're bringing new light to. So this is cool. But you have not always been
0: like that? Let's rewind a little bit. Yeah. Because we haven't really talked how you got into the sport. Yeah. You are fencing for America. Yeah. But you are actually not originally from America. Can you tell yeah. me a little bit more about your
1: childhood? Yeah, so I was born in London. Um and I was like a pain in the butt kid. I was like always getting into trouble. I was bad. Sorry, mom.
0: You have some examples?
1: Yeah. Every day I would get called to the principal office every day. Just like being stupid. Like I was like, like the the class clown, right? Just like being dumb, like throwing stuff, you know, at the teacher. It was just like getting into some stupid fights here and there. But that's just like London. Effect. That's what we did. All my friends did, right? But we were all playing football. And then my mom met my stepdad, who's my dad. And he was like, hey, we're moving to New York. Would you want to come? And my mom was like, yep, yeah, kids, we're going. I was like, what? Where are we going? I was like, I do not want to move to New York. Like, you know, I was nine. And then I moved to New York, went to public school, got kicked out for being an idiot. This is like three days after getting there, public school. And then somehow my mom...
0: Three days after getting into public school, you get kicked out. Yeah, people really keep being like, "What did say you Say this,
1: like, say the lift, say the loo, say the bathroom. I was like, "Shut!" I was the next person. To say this to me, and I'm gonna punch them. And then it was me being. Wait, because, me because me. of because of your English my accent? accent, yeah. <laughs> they were like, "Say this," and I was like, "Oh my god!" Like, let me just shut up. Even teachers were like, "Miles, say the loo," and I was like, "Oh my god." But like, I was never like a. Yeah, I was I was just paying the bus, and then I got into a private school somehow. No idea how. The only reason I got into the school was I had to pick up an extracurricular activity. It was tennis, badminton, and fencing. I was like, okay, whatever. Swords are fun. I was like, whoa. Okay. This is sick. I could, and I was like, this is really fun. And as I was doing that, I started to slowly get better in the school. I started to, literally my mom would say every day, the principal would call her every day. Your son's in my office again. I was just so, I was like, just couldn't sit still. You couldn't tell me anything. I was also like, a little bit mad that I was in America, you know? I was just like, I had none of my friends, and, you know, I was, like, a mixed-race guy that was from London, that, like, anyone in America looked like me that was from London, you know? And, like, all the things, like, no one even knew what football was. I kept saying soccer. I was, like, all these small things that, you know, like, us as European or that know, that's very different. Like, that's all we watch. I don't watch basketball or baseball or none of that stuff. So that was a hard thing for me to get used to. And then I started fencing, like, 12, 13, really taking it seriously. And then Ellen Grayson, lady who changed my life. I love her. She's in New York now. She was like, stick with it. This is going to be your thing. And I stuck with it. And then the won the June Olympics. And then the next year I got recruited by almost every college for free. Wow. Yeah.
0: So for a lot of people who don't know like American culture with college, you can make your way into college by different doors. Yes. And one of the doors, like America is dope for that because they respect their sports guy their sportsman and basically if you are good at any sports that the college carries you can make your way into Mm -hmm. the college and then like have your school scholarship paid because everything is so expensive in america when it comes to school so you got your scholarship pretty much paid by being dope at fencing
1: yeah i got i didn't pay a dollar for school and it was like fifty thousand dollars from fencing right like so when we went there for a couple of years i loved it but i was like you know what this is not for me. I knew that, but I wanted to go there just to experience the college. I knew I was going to be a professional fencer. I knew it. Sitting class, like, this is pointless to me. I know it, but I, all, kids go to school. And then I got signed to Nike and I was like, this is it. And then they signed me as one of their first fencers.
0: How did that happen? Like the Nike so, thing. So had, a lot of
1: kids are always asking like, how yeah. do you get sponsored? So, so I, how I had did that no happen? agent, nobody. One of uh Nike executives had a, off meeting. I've actually never told the story before to anybody. And one guy named Reggie, who's the head of Brand Jordan, named Keith Hulamard, who's the head of Nike Olympics, and Michelle Miller, who's head of product. They came to an off-site to check out niche sports, boxing, and I happened to just be at the fencing club at the right time. I was fencing, and they're like, what's your name? I was like, Miles. They're like, you mind if we watch you? I was like, sure. I didn't know who they were. They were just watching, being mean, you know. And I sat down with them for a little bit, and they were like, you're special. I was like, thank you. But uh, what's your, like, what do you do? They're like, oh, I work for Nike. I was like, Oh, wow. They're like, do you have an agent? I was like, no, I don't have anything. And they're like, what's your email? They gave me gift certificates. I was done. I already decided I wasn't going to go to college. Uh, they gave me a gift certificate of like 200 bucks, something like that. And then like, a week later, I got a email from Nike. I was a like, Nike. Hi. This is Keith. Love meeting you. Nike loved to offer you sponsorship, and I just sat at the screen like, "Is this for real?" I was like, "Nike Inc." I was like, "What?" And I was like, "This is just being me." But obviously, I was in the right place at the right time, um, which is about life, you know. It's all about life, and that was it. And I've been with Nike ever since. But what you just say is
0: is really interesting. Being at the right place at the right time. A lot of people think it's uh, you know like odds. But no, you put yourself in that room when the guy was here. You were the one that was special.
1: I think the harder you work, the luckier you get, right? Which is what I think of life. And something I I knew, I was like, listen, I'm going to be a Nike athlete. I don't know what it was. I just knew. Yeah, now she's been my Nike rep. And we've been, you know, I was a nobody in Nike. Just Well, I was happy to just wear the stuff for like nothing. And then now I'm doing campaigns with Roger Federer, Serena, all these people. And now I see myself in Times Square and these billboards. I'm just like, you got to sit back and be like, wow, you know, you believed in yourself. And I think that's the most important thing I tell a child now is always believe in yourself.
0: The Nike sponsorship came. and How long have you been with Nike?
1: Seven years, eight years. Wow,
0: that's dope. And then like Red Bull came into...
1: Yeah. And then Red Bull's even crazier because the next day my friend called me. He was like, hey, man, did you drink Red Bull? I was like, yeah, I drink Red Bull. Like I'm literally drinking it right now, and then hung up, and then got a call from somebody named Justin Abrams, and he's like, "Hey, how you doing? I'm Justin. Just wondering, do you drink Red Bull? Do you have any sponsors?" I was like, "Mm, "Just Nike." Um, was like, "Cool." I was like, "Love to meet you when you come when you're in town." I was like, "Awesome, I'm back." Met him, hit it off. I was like, "Red Bull is the coolest like group of people because everybody's just so different." And then I took four months to sign with them, because you know how the process is; it's very tough. And I signed to Red Bull, and I was just sitting. I signed right there, literally right there. Yeah. And I was just like, "Wow, that was a real moment for me." I was like, "You believe in yourself," but then when it really happens, you're like, "Whoa!" And I've been with them since 2014, so like six years. Seven, six, wow. Yeah. So that's like some no, loyalty lo- though. That's some loyalty shit. That's lo- awesome. and I, I want to be with my sponsors for the rest of my career. Every brand that I work with, I give everything to you because they give everything to me as well. So I think that's important relationship to have. Yeah. You have a great
0: list of sponsors. Uh, yeah. We can say uh, Red Bull, Nike, Butcherer, Samsung. Yeah. So like you're the most successful fencer right now. So like after those sponsorship came, it came for a reason because yeah. you were world champion in 2013. Yeah. That's in the best Budapest. Of my life. Yeah. Can you tell me a little bit about this
1: day in your life? So flashback to 2012 Olympics. Got fourth, lost, it was super sad. But I changed everything. I got to the Olympics. I was really serious. I wasn't me. I was like, you know. So, and I And my coach said, what's wrong with you? I was like, "It's serious. He's was like, no, why would you change? But I did. And it's a lesson I learned. And the next year, I said, like, you know, I'm going to be miles again. Crazy miles and do not worry about stuff. I was 17th in the world. If you're 16th in the world, you don't have to fence the first day. You got straight to the knockout stages. I'm the only one on my team that didn't have to do that. Had to fence. So I'm the number one guy now that has to fence in first day because I'm literally 17th and I was like, went undefeated. I felt really good and I never forgot. I had a beer before I fenced. This This is another story I never told anybody. And I was like, you know, I feel good as a Heineken. Weird. I'm staying in the hotel lobby of, I don't know, some best Western or something in Budapest and something feels different. I feel like just free. I don't know what it was. I just felt like and, you know, having a beer it takes, like, a, a little pressure off yourself, you know. I was like, would look at me like, this This guy's crazy. He's got a fence tomorrow. When I woke up in the morning with a smile on my face, I knew something was going to happen. And the first two matches I won by one point, like really tight. And then, with my eyes, and I was ready in the final eight. Nobody was in there. It was just me. And then I made the top four, which is, happened once before with my teammate Garrick. Nobody's ever won in the history of fencing world championship. And I got to the four and I was just like, I've already won. Cause like, I wasn't supposed to be here. And then I just destroyed everyone. Destroyed everybody in, in the semifinal and the final. And I was the first ever world champion. And that's when my life changed. And I was like, don't ever change who you are. You know, I was like so serious. And I was like, no, go back to who you are, Miles. No matter if it's the Olympics, whatever, be you. And then that's what I learned. And then that, when I was me, that's the day my life changed. So like. That's the reason why I signed the Red Bull. Was literally when they saw me win, win. When you
0: got world champion. Yeah. So, 2012 Olympic, you were like not yourself, taking it serious. Mm-hmm. It didn't work. And then 2013, you just start to be yourself again, feel free and then win. Yeah. And I think that's really like super yeah. important what you just said. Yeah. is don't change the day of the contest, the day of the event. It's not going to work. No, I was <laughs> like,
1: I was like, well, I, was like well, I was all serious. I didn't talk to anybody. But that's, as you can know, that's not me. That's not, I no. feel like not you either. It's a fine line between. Not giving a fuck, but caring. If you can get in that middle, that's Bruce Lee to me. Be like water, you know? And I think... And he's on my, leg.
0: He's on my arm. We got a matching tattoo, bro.
1: But you could... Everything he... His mind was bulletproof. And that's something, like, I love to watch about him. And that's something, you know, that's what you learn from people. So, like...
0: After the 2013 World Championship, you went to uh, the Olympics in 2016. Yes. And uh, you guys won the first ever American medal there. Yeah. Third by team. Yeah. Which was incredible. And you told me you had this little thing with the Russian too, like
1: bittersweet. So I fenced probably the best ever fence in my life, but obviously it was a team event, so like it's all teams. I don't fault my teammates ever, but some of them just didn't fence good that day. It happens in sports. But we were supposed to win the Olympics. We were number one in the world. We didn't lose anything. We won every competition. I think, you know, if we beat Russia, we defense France in the gold. And we've never lost to France, really, ever. France is a strong team, though. And we lost to uh, Russia. And it was, like, getting stabbed. I was like, because France beat Italy, which is, like, Italy is unbelievable. And we have to fence Italy now for bronze. And in my mind, I'm like, they beat us in Rio. They beat us in London. They smoked us. And I was like, man. So I took my teammates and said, like, guys, I'm pissed right now that we're not in the final, but we are not leaving without a gold, without, without a medal. I was like, pick your faces up and let's kill these people. And we won. We got a bronze and first time we've ever beaten them, really, I think, but that should have been the gold. If you see like, you know, number one two in the world, but it's sports. We got, Bronze medal. It's actually right behind you. It's literally right behind you. Like, like right there. The brown thing. Like right yeah, here? Yeah, it's literally my medal.
0: Ooh, can I open it? Yeah, of course. Sick. And, yeah. uh...
1: Yeah. Wow. Um, yeah, just grab it.
0: What happened with Russia? I'm,
1: um, like... Well, we... The freeze made some calls that we thought were ours and didn't go away. And we got in, in our head a little bit. You can watch the tape. It's online. And I think, you know, everything happens for a reason, right? So maybe it was just saying we weren't ready to win or... Because if I would have won, I wouldn't have been an Olympic champion, world champion. I'm, I've won everything. But maybe that, that wasn't my time to win. So that's me being positive and looking a different way. But that hurts. So every time I watch it, man, I watch it before a competition because it makes me so angry. And I just manifest that. And I'm like, I never want to fight that again.
0: What goes through your head when, like, Russia beats you and then you have to fence Italy?
1: I was like, we're gonna get fourth again. You're like, I'm coming all this way again to get fourth. That's like getting dead lost. It's literally the worst place to get because you're fencing and you gotta you gotta re- regroup yourself and you gotta fence again. And then it's like four hours. It's on TV, so you're like, come back, go back to the village, get your mind right, shower, and then she's mental game. And I took my team and I was like, guys, we're not leaving without medal. And we went and we beat them. But uh that's bittersweet. So I look at that medal. That's a beautiful piece. I was like, happy. yeah, grab it; It's, Dude, heavy. it's oh, heavy. It's heavy. Yeah. Out of like actual good and bad memories on there, you know? I got mine, they 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 cleaned it for me because after we got bronze, I wore it out and I gave it to people to wear. I was so drunk when we were like celebrating. I was like, you know what? After these, I was like, and I woke up in the morning and it wasn't with me and I was like, oh my God. But it was in my Nike rep had it in, in her safe. I was like, thank God. I was like, no. And then the next day, you know, he did the Today show and just like, but it's bittersweet, man. But I think I have another goal to look forward to. So Tokyo, huh? Tokyo, hopefully.
0: What's the what's the goal here? What's the, the have goal? The be- goal
1: is to get back to 2013 monsters free. And then everything else will take care of itself. Obviously, Olympic champion is something that I've just seen that. Oh, that's an Olympic champion over there. This just sounds so good. So I won't stop until I get there.
0: I feel like for every sportman in the world, the uh, Olympic games is like the gral. And then okay. once you reach that point, he's like,
1: Oh, you've, you've done everything you work your life out for. So for me, it was world champion and Olympic champion. So I've done one, which is crazy to do already, but I'm another one. Oh man. Like to be both would be life changing. The fact that it got
0: postponed one year changes thing for you, like preparation-wise and stuff like that, or in your head too? or
1: Yeah, but I think it's a good thing. And everybody starts off now fresh, kind of, because nobody's been fencing. So it's like, oh, everybody's kind of resets. But I don't know how they're going to do the competitions and the qualification and none of that. So that's kind of the unknown, but try and be positive, right? But no one really knows at all. Scary, but kind of, you got to look at it like, oh, this is kind of cool. Otherwise, it's going to eat you alive
0: right you get again like if you change the day of the competition it's not no it's don't not i learned work, do not do that i feel like we're in the same way with uh the celebration we love the celebration yeah. part of our sports yes and uh, for me like at some point it got it took a little toll on my uh, body and i yeah. started to realize that maybe like the sport is a little bit more important than celebration can you tell us a, a little bit about your your like celebration life too you know
1: <sighs> yeah well i had to tone that down a little bit but in terms of like, you, know, you reach a certain point and, you know, you get access to a lot more things. So, you know, you want to like, for me, it was going out or having drinks or I used to wake up, get really drunk, wake up at 7 a.m. and train and not care. You know, like you, you have this all the time. My friends can tell me I would never miss a practice no matter what. I don't care how I smelled, but I would never miss a practice. <laughs> you can ask all my friends, and my teammates. I, I, I'm crazy like that. But then I'm like, dude, this is not healthy. This is like I wake up like four hours of sleep. I'm just like, I've won competitions, which is really crazy that I can say that. And I've done really bad when I've had twelve hours of sleep. So this is the most important thing. But you're right, though. I, I, you have to tone down that part. The older you get and the more mature you get, you have to kind of put that side a little bit out of the way.
0: Dude, like, I think I won the world championship with no sleep. Like, I used to party like crazy the, the <laughs> night before the final. I don't know why now I, I, I look at that and I'm like,
1: how oh, yeah, fucking crazy. Sam, <laughs> people, literally, it's crazy, but that's what kind of makes us special, right? You have it there and no distraction. But obviously, <laughs> obviously, partying lowers the odds of you you know, winning, but you have it up here and you don't lose that.
0: I feel like though, and that's what you were saying about feeling free, and this is stuff you can get away when you are 22, 23, though. Yeah. I cannot get away with, like, partying and, and riding the next day now. Yeah. But so when I uh, was 22, 23, I, I felt like if I was not partying the night before the event, that would put extra pressure on myself.
1: hundred percent. You on know the what same, I mean? Like- same way. Because <laughs> you're, you're in your room and you're just like, <laughs> look at the ceiling and you're like, oh, my God. So then I started like, okay, get, get to the city I'm in, walk around a little bit, free my mind from, from, from competing. Because otherwise you just lost sometimes if you just only think about it you've already lost before so my coach will say to me i can tell in your eyes you've already lost because our training is like i can tell already because the
0: life on the road is like lonely man it's a lot of people don't know that about sportsmen but most of the time when you go to an event it's like plane yeah. event hotel event plane exactly. and then it's like if you don't do anything on the side yeah that fucks your head like so
1: much yeah what you just said is exactly what i've been doing my whole life so then i said no, I'm going to stop now. I'm going to go. Now I can, you know, do what I want, afford it, you know, whatever I want. So I'm going to go a little bit early. And I'm going to stay a day afterwards. And I'm going to experience these cities now. Because before, it was just like, like this, every time. it's Like this, like this. and I wasn't really experiencing it or enjoying the ride. But you have to enjoy it.
0: Exactly. So kids, like if you want to do good at competition, don't party. Yeah. But don't do things maybe that makes you feel free and... What's the life on the road being a fencer? Like, you have the homies or like not really?
1: Yeah. I'm obviously very different from most people, <laughs> as you can tell. But my teammates and my boys, i got their backs. And I spend more time with them than my family. <laughs> I'm with them all the time. We've taken a journey together, so it's great. But I obviously do so much stuff outside. So now, like, if I'm in Paris, I'll also have work. You know, we'll, we'll do fashion stuff as well and sponsorship stuff as well. So I have a full-on... Schedule, when I'm there, stuff now, I have my trainer, my, you know, vi- video guy now, stuff. So total ball game. Before it was just me, but now I have like a little entourage. What do your entourage consist of? So trainer? Yeah, my coach, physio, and now video guy. What's up with the video guy? Like, who's gonna start chatting with me and recording footage? So hopefully maybe if we do a documentary down the line or something, just to capture cool moments, you know, that you forget, you know, I think it's just cool to have somebody there just Capture you talking to your coach, you talking to, your t- you know, like that I think is really cool. Yeah, hopefully my nutritionist will start coming because it's just so cool to have your, you feel, when you have your full team, you feel like you're at home and it's like, you know, you have to worry about all these things I normally used to worry about. Like she's like, she doesn't tell me what to eat. She doesn't tell me when I need to go to bed. I like, got my trainer is there. I'm so close with him. You know, we just talk about everything and this like frees your mind a lot than just thinking about fencing. Um But yeah, but normally it was just me sitting in the middle seat and in the back of the plate. <laughs> You know? because fencing
0: is a gnarly sport like yeah. there's a dude that died like in a three yeah. thing think that it goes like through it, his eye i through know his the, eye. I, know
1: the, I fenced the guy's son so the guy who killed him is named uh bear he killed Shmirnov, or smirnoff killed yeah and i fenced his son I was, just, I was like this guy's dad killed somebody obviously by accident but it went through his eyeball and then which is that oh was
0: crazy yeah so and, and
1: people get like injured man like, i got broken my fingers my teammate, you know, ACL, MCL, hamstring, Achilles, like, I it's not like the parent job, man. It's, it's intense. I was hanging out with you
0: the day after that competition in Paris and you told yeah. me your arm was so sore from like,
1: oh my uh, God, like fencing yeah. the whole day. You have we like, this weird muscle here? From like, like from, this from one, fencing. Right? Oh, yeah, this you, one, yeah, oh yeah, you have it too. Same, same from, thing from from with with. Right? Right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. And it's like, what is that? But it's like, we're always, like, I'm sure your form is always, oh, sorry, and grip is our strongest thing. And it's like, you know, you get like needles and this is my moneymaker, uh, my <laughs> arm. So that element is, is something that I'm learning about too, is the body, rehab and taking care of yourself, Theragun, normatech, stretching, rolling. I see you doing some yoga. Oh yeah. Which me, which is me too. And I think that's amazing element too. Meditation a little bit. I think those are something now, the older we get, the smarter we get.
0: And you are like one of the tallest fencer, I think, in the circuit right now? Yeah, that's does like it,
1: one guy told me, but
0: Does it help or does it like as you told me, like maybe that helps with some things, but also yeah. you are a bigger
1: target. So longer reach but bigger target. So it's a trade off. I think it definitely helps for sure. I think it helps for sure. And our life is good to be tall, you know, right?
0: And you have like some of uh, your special signature move that got like millions of views on social media. Can yeah, it's you great. tell yeah. us a little bit about that? It's like some freestyle fencing there.
1: Yeah, so it's called the Chamberlain Watson. They named it Optimus. It's pretty cool. Basically, I hit the person behind my head without turning my back. If you turn your back, you get a yellow card. And it happened at World Championships randomly. I was just like... And then the referee was like, hold on a second. And when we went back to the video, he was like, oh my God, what happened? No one's seen it before. And then now I'm kind of... That's my move. And you get kids that are like sending you, you know, little videos of you. It's, it's so cool. Um, and then, you know, I think we should be more free and, and is so conventional. And so I was like, this is such a beautiful sport. Let's be more free. Let's, let's be more wild. let you know, just like, don't try and be so conventional. And then your sport is exactly that. There's not as being what you, what you do is insane. I would fall on my face. <laughs> we, should, we should, we should switch sports one day.
0: We should, we're going to do that though. And so like you, can you invent more fencing tricks, you think? Yeah,
1: I've one already that Rebel, Rebel posted that we got like 2 million views, which is, you've never seen this before. So like that, me, makes me happy that I'm opening a new audience up. But yeah, we're just getting started, man. Hell yeah. For I'm sure. going to learn more and get more free and keep growing the sport. Yeah, that's going to make the sport bigger for sure.
0: Yeah. Let's come back a little bit to the the present day. So we are right now in, uh, in New York City, in yeah. Chelsea, in your place. Yeah. Some things that to my eye, are really positive uh, happening right now. A lot of people have been raising their voice all over the world with the killing of George Floyd a few weeks ago with the Black Lives Matter movement. Yes. And I've seen that you have been really active with that. Can you tell me your point of view about this whole situation?
1: Yeah, so it's obviously so sad. You know, rest in peace, George Floyd. Thank God we have cameras now. Otherwise, you would never see, you know, this. So what he stands for is something so much bigger you know unfortunately proof brutality has been going on forever you know in this country and i think now we'll never think of technology we can record it so at least people can see what's going on right and it hit home when i was like this guy is just pleading for his life it could be me it could be my friends and i was like i can't sit back this is are my people you know and and I decided to be myself and just talk from my point of view, right? Cause I'm half white, half black. I'm British. so I want to talk from my point of view. And I think that was therapeutic to me to kind of speak. And then when I went to the protest and saw, it brought me tears because it's so, it was beautiful to see everyone, people that are white, people that are black, people that are Hispanics together Black Lives Matter. We're fighting for just equality. I've n- never seen this in my life. Hopefully there's something we can take out of this is. People are coming together and are really standing for something bigger than just whites, blacks, Spanish. It's it's we're all human. We all bleed the same. And people are taught hatred. And you know, I feel like yeah. You know, I posted this amazing little video. Of these two little kids running to it and hugging. Right, that's an example that racism doesn't exist. It's taught. Right, these little kids are so pure. They don't want anything. it's like don't care about the color of your skin. And I was like, these kids are so pure. So it's like people who are just teaching their kids hate and how can you be so hateful just because someone looks so different. So like that I was like, we gotta speak up and I'm with my people and and I think it it's beautiful to see people like I'm behind you as well and, and I think we're coming together as strong people. And, and uh I hope it brings real change and you know justice for Bianca Taylor and all these people it makes me so sad that just people's getting killed for no reason. Just literally because of the colour of somebody's skin. And like, these people should be it's murder. And, I, you know, and I got, these people should be prosecuted. And these people should be in jail. It's like, you know, switch the roles. Well, you know, just guns are a scary thing, but they're, you know, I understand people who shoot guns, you know. If you want to go on the farm and shoot targets, like, you know, I've done that before. It's beautiful. Like, it's therapeutic for some people. But guns in the streets and guns in the, in the police's hands, it's, I don't see why police need guns. True. Why don't they just need a taser can do, or, you know, something. I just feel like, and it's always their first instinct, is, you know, I, I just, even me, someone who's, you know, somewhat famous, whatever, driving nice cars, I'm always so cautious about the small things about, okay, if I get pulled over, you know, hands and steering wheel, and no, so I don't want to have to live like that. No, yeah, for you know? sure. Um,
0: As a black person, yeah. have you ever been in a situation in your sport that you felt uncomfortable with?
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Do you have some examples?
1: Just like young and... and Calls that are clearly mine, uh, you know, I'll never forget a time when I was ma- trying to make the uh, under 17 world temp- championship team and got like five red cards and the referee couldn't tell me why. Covering target, you know, you're like 14, 15, but I, I know a hundred percent that this guy didn't want me on the team, you know.
0: That's crazy.
1: Um, but now I'm someone who's got a platform and I do, really, and I can say what I want now.
0: And you have been spreading it- a lot of positivity. That's, yeah, what, that's I've, what I want to do. Is that's do. what I've been, like, noticing on your Instagram. Yeah. And you can go check out Miles' Instagram. It's at uh, Fencer. And all you've been spreading was positivity, dude, and it was awesome. Can you, like...
1: Yeah. And I tried, you know, it's like, you have to post some things that are hard to look at, but people know me, they they look for, like, positive and love, and I was like, that's Miles. That's what God put in the pen. So I want to educate people, but I also just want to never lose that positivity and love. And then during these times, we need it more than ever. So uh, I've tried to do a job of, of both of, of all those fight my people, um, you know, going to protests and, and all that stuff. And then I got young kids who look up to me. And I'm just like, you know, I, I want to inspire them. I want to be positive. So I, I love just like me going on Instagram, Like, Hey guys, want to say, I love you, somebody need, might want to hear that, you know, just like small things a little like that, which I think is so impactful. And I'm just trying to spread my love and positivity and, you know, do my part, vote everything I can. And, and, uh, hopefully, uh, Get a new president.
0: <laughs> Hell yeah, vote people. And I mean, that's what I was saying when I got to that subject is that even though it's terrible what's yeah. been happening, I think a lot of positive things are going to yeah. come out of that. Yes. And a lot of people are starting to realize that, oh, maybe I was maybe like a bit off with this guy one day. Or, you yeah. know, there was a lot of BMX rider, for example, we have one BMX rider who posted like a photo of him and... He said that, oh wow, like I didn't realize like I was saying some crazy stuff because towards like black people because I'm I'm from like Florida and uh, this is how like I got educated. Yeah. But I am not racist and I apologize for what I, I said. Yeah. And I think it's really cool that it puts white people yeah in that place mm-hmm. where they have to reflect on themselves and be like, oh, maybe I've been kind of a I treated someone differently yeah. by In, my look. And then yeah. I think it's going to be a really positive outcome. What's your take on that?
1: Yeah, I think exactly what you said. I think I'm seeing some beautiful you know, laws are being changed, some amazing positive stuff. And I think it's so sad that we obviously you have to sacrifice someone's life for that. But I think I'm seeing some beautiful, positive things come out of this. And I hope real change does come. And I know like even for me, people who reach out to me, like, Miles, this one time four years ago, man, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, I'm like you don't have to apologize for your race. Like, I, I know who you are. But just educate, you know, and I think something important is people who say, I understand that I would never understand, right? It's like, it's okay that you will not understand, but understand that. But try and just educate yourself and, you know, if you see something happen, stop it. If you see something, you know, do your best to be, you know, just a good human being. It comes down to just being a good human. It's just like, you know, it's like people that are so hateful, it's like, isn't that tiring? Right? dude it's isn't crazy it like, isn't it tiring to be so hateful just i don't get it i'm just like i can't be mad at somebody for more than five minutes it's just like i'm tired of that it's like you know you see people's eyes and it's like so much hate in your eyes you know and just like love will always win dude so.
0: that's and i think we are both two positive people and yeah. the one of the biggest reason i'm like so positive on people are like oh my chest cannot be so positive all the time is just fake. I'm not. It's just like being negative just exhaust me. Yeah. Like some days I wake up. I'm obviously not in a, in a good mood. Same. And it's, maybe I can be like a dick to like the waiter or whatever. Yeah. And then like, I'm like, what am I doing? And then I regret so much, yeah. and you know, like, so that's why I really try to spread positivity. Yeah. And as you, you said, that must same. be, that must be so tiring to be like headful all the time.
1: And it's like, you know, other know people were hateful. I was like, all right, that's on you, man, but like you're not going to affect me at all. You know, and, and uh also going back to like, you know, I just saw when you posted BMX thing, it was Pride. And somebody was like, I saw Ritz Vandum. Somebody was like, oh, I love that you're not afraid to post this thing. And then you were like, why would I be afraid? Right? But like, yeah. that's what some people think. We're like, they're scared, you know, if I'm like, you know, uh Pride Month. I'm like, I support everyone. I'm like, why would I be scared to post anything? But that's what a lot of people think. You know, like, that's, that's what I love about you as well. We're just like don't care but you know what's right you know and i think that's what people are just so scared to just like try something new or be different it's like dude just be quiet and just enjoy and take everything in you don't have to judge everything you see
0: yeah. and i mean having a, a platform on yeah. social media it can be good for like self-promotion but we must use this platform to also make people feel more yeah. comfortable yeah, like when i posted this uh, pride photo with yeah. pride month photo a kid uh, DM'd me and he said, Oh, dude, I've never said that to anyone, but actually I'm, I'm gay. I just want to tell you because I, and I was like, whoa, dude, thanks so much for telling memes. Like, cause I, I feel like if I'm coming out, then a lot of people are going to be mean. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, no, you shouldn't like be and just, yeah.
1: you know, help people. And I feel like. And, and if you did, you change one person's day, that's incredible. For someone to write that to you is like, I know, people who've almost, you know, lost their life trying to come out as who they are. I'm just like, that's so sad. I'm like, be you. And I'm always like, and I, we got you guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, we do. be you. And I always support you. And that's all we can do, right? Is be us and, and educate and just always be positive when you can. And I know like you, I wake up sometimes, I'm just like, oh. one of those days, we gotta be like, mom's you're blessed. You're healthy. Relax for a second. But yeah, I'm happy that you do the same thing, man. Because I've seen that as well. And people, I get messages as well. And it's like, you sit back and I, I have someone, I'm just like, oh my God, like just something small that you're supposed to like change someone's life. Or you're just like, wow, I was like, I'm going to keep doing this, like, you know? So Of it's, course. It's, it's cool, man. And this is why
0: this like fucked up situation is making some definite change and some positive change. And yeah. I'm, I'm so glad, you know, that yeah. even, you know, like those uh, trans Black Lives Matter protest in new yeah. york and it was just so beautiful to see everybody Dance. together and just yeah
1: and it's like dude i was like black i was like listen put a blindfold on yourself we're all the same person bleed the same with the same insides this is not the same but we can change this of course like yeah, that was good I thought of that, yeah
0: dude no definitely definitely and it's like fuck man the people who just a little troll saying that all oh, lives matter whatever. Like, come on, just educate yourself. You yeah. know, just you it's got, not hard yeah. to understand. It's just like people yeah. love to be hateful for some reason. I don't they know. They love it,
1: and then they, they're home, and I'm just like, you're clearly miserable. Like you're probably drinking Mountain Dew. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm not not nothing against Mountain Dew, but like Mountain Dew and like sitting behind a computer with like potato chips all over your face. I'm like, you know, you're just a computer person, man. Like, to say it, say it's my face. You know, but like it's you know, it's like you want to talk about me? That's okay. I'll, like literally people people say it's just me i'm like i love you what are you gonna say back to that
0: all right last but uh, not least it's a question i uh, ask all the guests what uh, would you say to uh, young miles if he was in the room right now
1: like good question what would i say to young miles i would say take more risks never doubt yourself and enjoy the ride Awesome. And what
0: would you say to a kid that wants to make it into fencing? Like if a kid listens to that, a 10-year-old kid, what would you say to him in order for him to be successful?
1: I would say, if you need anybody to talk to, Miles is here. And I would say, if you love something, don't ever lose the love for it. And believe in yourself. Self-belief. I'm telling you, that I can't say that enough. A little kid growing up, you'll get bullied. I got bullied, making fun of fencing all that stuff. But but people who bully you are jealous of you. That's the biggest form of flattering, someone who's bullying you because they're jealous of you. We' else are bullying you because they want what you have? So uh, understand that and don't let anybody turn that frown upside down.
0: Boom. Words of wisdom. Miles, dude, uh, anything I, I, you want to add? Well, what would you tell young, young Matthias? Dude, I would say a lot of things to young Matthias because, you know, like, one day, I was so obsessed with my BMX and in high school, and that girl was really liking me, and she organized the whole picnic for me on a Wednesday, like for lunch. And it was a beautiful Wednesday, and I got out of class and I saw her in the middle of that field. But it was really a beautiful day, and I really wanted to ride my bike, and I kind of never went and meet her. Until <laughs> oh! <wow>. <laughs> so I'd say, dude, take that day off and go have that picnic with that girl take <laughs> a, take, yeah, I know exactly though take, take that risk I know, and you're like damn I wish I did
1: that I know exactly what we're talking about there. but she's probably like oh man I wish she did too <laughs> just poor
0: little girl if she's listening to that which I doubt I'm so sorry <laughs> anyways bro thanks Dude. so much that's a wrap for that episode of decoding athlete we decoded Miles brain so many things on. thank you so much Miles and uh thank you, my man. as you're around the world.
1: Yes sir, see you
0: soon. Spreading positivity, positivity always.
1: Positivity, boy. Now I'm happy now.
0: Thank you so much for your attention and listening to Decoding Athlete with Miles Chamley Watson today. Some of my personal takeaway from the conversation with Miles today are that you never change the way you act the day of a big competition. Just be yourself and the contest will be alright. I really love talking about Black Earth Matter with him. He has such a positive outlook on things and spreading positivity is definitely gonna save the world it was also super cool to talk about how he got sponsored by nike and just being at the right time at the right moment tune in next time when i meet with fixed gear cyclist patrick sebays in switzerland patrick has completed one of the craziest tour de france stage on a fixed gear bike no speed and no brakes you already excited let's tune in for a minute
1: I was next to the truck
0: full, full, full speed and I had
1: 128. It was crazy. I survived and I will go
0: faster. The main thing is, though, you can see you're having fun and you love what you
1: do. And that's the best trick.
0: The next episode with Patrick will drop next Wednesday at 6 p.m. CET. You don't want to miss that out. So subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify or your favorite podcast app. We'll be decoding Patrick's brain. Thank you guys so much for listening to Decoding Athlete today and I'll see you next week. Bye. Decoding Athletes with Matthias Dondois is a production of Maniac Studios for Red Bull Media House.